We are accustomed today to hearing about the global economy, and it's true that most economies today are to a large extent locked together, and the interdependence of these economies uh, has a downside as well as an upside. We've seen an ongoing saga in the European Union's financial struggles with different countries at different times experiencing the fallout from pressures within the system. But nothing symbolizes these, these realities and facilitates them better than the Internet. It's responsible for so much business and communication today. You can hardly escape it. Um, since the advent of the Internet, it's been difficult for me to hear today's first reading about the web woven over all nations uh, without thinking of the Internet, the net. We should think about uh, some of the connotations of a net. We use nets to catch things. I wonder how many of us are alive to that uncomfortable metaphor. Of course, calling it a web uh, doesn't improve the situation much. It's common knowledge that the World Wide Web can be a real snare for those who fall into addictions to surfing or to harmful content. And uh, more recently, families are discovering that bullying behavior that used to be sequestered in schools follows children home on their, their smartphones. Uh, where we uh, used to see our friends from time to time, now they're in our living rooms and in our purses and, and everywhere all the time, and we have to be reporting to them what we're doing. Uh, we have very little privacy because of this net. And so like the phenomenon of global business, uh, one takes the good with the bad on the Internet, but there's one aspect of the net that I would like to bring to your attention uh, because it poses a kind of sticky trap for even our better impulses. In the fourth conference of St. John Cashin, a fifth-century monk, a conference called On the Desire of the Flesh and the Spirit, uh, young John Cashin recalls a discussion he had with Abba Daniel. And Daniel is aiming to demonstrate the goodness of our humble condition as incarnate beings, as embodied. The fact is that our bodies limit us in many ways. We tend to think of this as a disadvantage, but Abba Daniel sees it differently. This arrangement works to our salvation if we care to use our bodies to our advantage. So Abba Daniel says this, uh, because we're in bodies, there arises uh, a delay which is beneficial to us, that when we cannot immediately pursue to the end what we have wickedly conceived, we are sometimes changed for the better because of the subsequent remorse or the reconsideration that usually follows upon postponing a work and thinking about it in the interval. This last observation of the Desert Father, Abba Daniel, about thinking in the interval is precisely what the Internet designers are aiming to eliminate when we're on the, the Internet. Uh, if you want clicks, you don't want people to think too much. You want them to respond uh, to whatever. I was just reading that uh, Facebook designers, when they started uh, saying you've got five notifications from your friends, the designers made it in blue because that was the, uh, the color scheme of Facebook, uh, but no one clicked on it, so they changed it to red, and then uh, something like it went up 300%, right? So it's not a... a 
cognitive response. It's just a response because I see something red and I think I have to do something. And it's this way that we get entangled because this affects even our best impulses like research on the internet, for example. Uh, when I can pull up a book or, or whatever else almost instantaneously, whatever desire I have, and it's immediately fulfilled, I would say it seems to be fulfilled, and I think actually our desires are diluted a lot on the internet, but there's this danger that we stop really thinking. We're just sort of led from one hyperlink to the next, you know? And so while the internet appears to be an instrument that freed us or frees us from our embodied limitations, we don't have to go to the library anymore, we don't have to get in the car and, and drive somewhere, it in fact enslaves us to what St. Paul calls capital F flesh, to these impulses that just arise in us. And instead of thinking about them and, and having to wait to fulfill them, you know, it happens almost immediately, and therefore uh, we whatever impulses come up, wherever they're coming from, we're enslaved to them. And again, my point here is not that the internet is all evil, it's, it's just that unchecked desire is always problematic because not all of our desires are good. And even desires that begin as good, for example, hard work, silent prayer, and study, can be turned into negatives uh, because there is this web woven over the nations. We call it sin. So, for instance, industriousness can become workaholism. Silent meditation can become self-absorption. Study of God's word becomes vainglory or skepticism. And many times, it's actually the delays and the struggles and misfortune that have a way of returning us to the essentials in a way that success and power do not. For failure and suffering are often what is necessary to break us of our desires, to make us ask whether our desires actually do make us happy. And they give us a chance to think in the interval. You know, uh, when, if, uh, if my business or whatever doesn't work, I don't have customers, I have time to think, time to evaluate. We can live an examined life. We become self-aware by questioning whether my desires are going toward the kingdom of God or away. The farmer and the businessman who ignored the invitation to the wedding feast in the gospel probably did not begin their careers with the intention of ignoring God or this king. Nor is there anything incompatible about their professions with serving God, as Jesus' wide circle of acquaintances demonstrates. Perhaps, though, they reflect or they represent an unreflective desire again and this drive to succeed. And sin uses this lack of reflection and impulsiveness to pry us away from the overall goal of the work God gives us, and that goal is God Himself. And it's easy to become so accustomed to having what we want that even the advent of God's kingdom and the promise of everlasting joy become an obstacle to the fulfillment of the desire I've got right now, rather than the desire that might be better for the long run. And we are invited to this banquet every Sunday. Blessed are those called to the Supper of the Lamb. And here we are, in fact. How many uh, Christians are there out there today who have found other things to do than to answer God's call to this feast? And of course, just when we may be tempted to pat ourselves on the back for finding our way here, uh, we have to remember that, that uh, 
the king says, you know, invite the bad and the good, so we can't necessarily tell with which group we're in. But also we have to take caution at this hapless fo- fellow who gets heaved out into the outer darkness because he's not wearing the right outfit. We approach the table of the Lord to receive the Eucharist, which is at present the foretaste of heavenly bliss and of the kingdom of God. We are rehearsing, in a sense, for the full advent of the kingdom, but if you're going to rehearse properly, we have to approach the altar in faith. This faith and the grace that we receive here must change us. Our lives in the world must be a summons to those who have, for one reason or another, not heard the invitation that the Lord is sending out. So uh, we need to go back into the world with lives that are changed in such a way that others will see this invitation. We don't want to leave here today and go right back into our web of desires, however comfortable they might be. One final thought. We can perhaps be more on guard if we pay attention to the way God brought us here. Uh, Again, the king in this morning's parable sends out his servants to gather everybody. Uh, At the very least, we, as I suggested a moment ago, can't claim that we got in because we're good. It would rather seem that this was because the first guests who were invited weren't willing to come. That means it's possible to lose one's elected status and disinvite ourselves, as it were. The kingdom of God is totally unmerited, a free gift of a loving God who promises to wipe away all tears and destroy sin and death forever. And so let us make sure each day to take the time to say, let us be glad and rejoice that he has saved us, not forgetting the robe of salvation and the armor of faith.